0: You're listening to a Better Mousetrap podcast. I'm your host, Marcos Dinnerstein. Every week, I bring you an important player in New York City's tech scene, and maybe as important, I also shine a light on the newest players. What each of them does matters. I have with me today Juan del Cerro from Disruptivo TV, and they are a media platform to promote social impact and education among aspiring entrepreneurs. Does that about cover it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here in New York, and especially here in the A Mousetrap podcast. Thank you so much, Marcus,
0: for for inviting me and for your audience as well. Okay. So people might be wondering about your accent and going, where the heck is he from? (laughs) It's probably not Poland.
1: Nope.
0: It's probably not Eastern Europe. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Of course. how, How you're here in the U.S.? Uh, of course well
1: I am actually from Mexico um, so you can you can probably hear my my Js be very strong like Juan um, so I, I've been working for in, in my startup in Mexico for the last five years um, we'll get to that. we'll get to what Disruptivo is. But what well, the exciting thing is now we are here in the US especially in New York to start our operations here in the country. Um, We've established ourselves in the social entrepreneurship, social business ecosystem in Mexico, and we want to grow not only to the U.S., but honestly globally. So we've got into this acceleration program called NUMA uh, here in New York, where we will be working for 10 weeks to start Kickstarter operations here, find investors, uh, find clients, uh, find the right audience for what we're doing. Um, So yeah, we're very excited. It's a lot of work, but uh, just happy to be here and have the amazing opportunity to be in this this startup ecosystem here in New York.
0: Great. That is exciting. And uh, how many people from your team are here?
1: Well, uh, it's two of us. Uh, I'm the only one that's going to be here for the full 10 weeks. But one of my co-founders is a Harvey. Uh, she's from Mexico as well. She actually lives very close to Boston, so she's she's be coming on and off uh, to be part of the of the
0: program. Great. So let's get into um, how did you get into this world and. Uh what, what was your journey as they say?
1: Of, of course so I have a different background than most entrepreneurs because I don't come from the tech industry or I don't come from the media industry either. Um, I actually come from the nonprofit sector I, I even since I was in college I participated with a couple of nonprofits. I work in, in organizations for six for six years actually ran a couple of organizations uh, in Mexico and here in New York as well I've lived here before. Um, and I love social impact. I'm really passionate, especially about empowering young people to solve the social issues that are all around us, uh, you know, everything from poverty to climate change and everything that's in between that. Um, and after a lot of years working in the nonprofit sector, I started feeling like there should be a better way to to make change happen, you know, to to improve the lives of people. Because nonprofits have a lot of natural challenges by the way their 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 economic structures are 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 built. So looking at this, trying to find a better way to do things, I found social entrepreneurship, the concept, which this was six, seven years ago, was very rare in Mexico. Like nobody nobody knew about it. There was a couple of social businesses but it wasn't really a thing um, so for me it was very exciting and 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 it was very that's why we're called disruptivo because for me the concept of social business is very disruptive in itself so I decided to start learning about it and while I started learning I started recording you know, the conversations I was having with entrepreneurs to see how, was, how were they building their social companies. Uh, and th- that led to a podcast, which led to uh, an online media, which led to a company uh, which is now Disruptivo. So yeah, it's been a fun ride. Um, from So I, I think summarizing this is, I just think there are better ways to do social impact, especially when putting the business side uh, and making it work
0: together. Okay, and and how does this group sort of people uh, bring in income?
1: So we have three main businesses. We have an online online media, which is what we're better known for, and uh, well, first the three businesses. So we have an online media, we have an education um, an education business as well, and an early stage accelerator. The three of them generate revenue. The media we basically work with companies that already have a. Uh, social business programs. For example, uh, MedLife Foundation has a big program to support entrepreneurs working in financial health uh, in Latin America. Or Chivas Regal, the whiskey, they have a huge program called The Venture, which is they launch annually in all over the world. So we work with them to become their media and content partners uh, to help them r- reach out the younger. Um the younger demographic that is interested in entrepreneurship, We are focused our focus is to create very accessible and attractive content. And I think that's appealing to these companies that want to reach these audiences. Um, our education business is focused on developing workshops, boot camps, classes, and educational content to help students uh, of all ages and sizes uh, become social entrepreneurs. So our business there is mainly working with universities and local governments to develop these programs uh, to empower the people that they serve, their students, their communities, uh, the people living in their municipalities. Um, and we do everything from like one day workshops to six month programs um, to help bring the tools and knowledge people need to start a business. And the final, uh, the final business is the Early Stage Accelerator, in which we basically work, again, with large corporations. They sponsor our programs. We launch these really big challenges, inviting people to apply their ideas to solve this, these problems. And the best ideas get selected, get a little bit of funding, uh, and six months' work of program to, to start their companies to start their business. So, mostly it's a B2B to C company, uh, and, but we're always innovating, we're always trying new stuff. Even here now in the U.S., we're trying to understand what's going to be our business model here. Do we just copy what we do in Mexico, or do we find new opportunities?
0: And uh, is this accelerator program a full-time program, or uh, how, how does that work?
1: Okay, so no, it's not a full-time program. We we tried a couple of things in the beginning. The most common things are in Mexico that you go for one, once a week, you have a couple of sessions with a mentor. Uh, however, we found out that we didn't want only to reach people in Mexico City. We wanted our program to be as inclusive as possible. So when you have entrepreneurs coming from many different places, uh, it's hard to do a full-time program because if they go into Mexico City and their business is not in Mexico City, then they have to live for six months what they're doing in the communities they're serving. So we actually do a once a month we have a three a three day program in presence. They have to go, they meet the mentors, they have workshops, they work with the other entrepreneurs. And then for the rest of the month they have a lot of things they they a lot of actionables that they have to do and, and work in their local communities or with their customers and beneficiaries. We do a online follow up, we have a couple of sessions, we have a, a mock board session every month. Uh, so we follow up with them full, for the full month. But what we want, especially in this early stage, is we want them in the ground, validating, understanding the problem, understanding the people, validating their business models, um, and, and just trying to move as fast as they can to get to a point where they can get funding or start selling. So yeah, we meet once a month, and uh, it, it, it feels like it's not, but it's actually a very intensive program because we give them a lot of work to do.
0: Okay, now when you said mock board, is that a mock board of directors meeting in in which they have to report on uh, deliverables, progress?
1: Exactly, that's, that's right. So we organize a board of four or five people, which includes people from our team, um, people from the sector they are in, for example, if they are in the energy business, we find, um, if they're in the energy sector, we find people that are working already in large large companies or in even the government, people that would normally not be accessible for these entrepreneurs since they are just starting. Maybe a couple of people from the from universities. Uh, so we we do a board that we believe will bring them value. Uh, it's not a long-term commitment. It's just for the program. If some of them want to stay as mentors, that's awesome, but uh, it's it's not mandatory. So in these months, these these entrepreneurs, these teams, have a a commitment to these people to be bringing them. You know, what are your what are what have you advanced? What are you working on right now? Did you do the things we told you to do um, last month? So that gives them, you know, uh, how do you say this? Um, that gives them accountability right. to the people that they're in the board because the mentors that do the workshops and are and are your advisors in the regular program, they don't get to see your progress around the uh, around the six months. So this board helps them to structure more their business, and it is a, it's also practice for when they will have their boards and they will have their advisors. So it also teaches them how to present to a board, how to get ready for a board meeting,
0: uh, and all the things that, ha- that go with that. Great. That no, sounds valuable. Thank Wait, you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what kind of content do you put out in uh, your, your media channels?
1: Uh, so the media we do all sorts of content um, that we that we can do. We we do all formats. We do video. We do podcasts, articles, infographics. Um, we've we've actually published a couple of books. Uh, two of them are digital. One of them is digital and printed. So and we're starting for example this year we're launching a couple of new things like reports on the industry as well. What the focus of our content is like I was saying in the beginning is always to be as accessible as possible and as attractive as possible. Why is that formula? Because most of what's out there in impact investing right now and and social entrepreneurship is not for newcomers, is for experts and for people that already know about these things. So right now, even I think if that's, that's a little bit true for the U.S. I mean, I'm still learning, but from what I see is that if you're in it, if you're inside the ecosystem, if you, if you learn through it by your university or if you have a friend that has a social business, you know, you understand, you can get the language. But if you're just somebody else, you know, in the subway, you, you, won't, you probably won't uh, learn about what a social business is. And if, even if you wanted the content and the language, is gonna be hard to get in the beginning. So, we try to be very simple, uh, as simple as possible, to communicate this, and also attractive, fun stuff. You know, we don't, we're not serious. We're not. We don't take ourselves. So seriously because we want people to share. We want people to feel emotional about what we're talking, to get inspired by the stories. Um, so we try to make it as fun as possible. Obviously, we're always learning and how to do stuff. Some stuff works, some stuff doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, that's, we try to be very accessible for younger people, you know, a lot of color, movement, uh, music, so that people can really get engaged with, with the content we're doing.
0: Yeah, social impact, I, I agree with you, is is still new to many people, here here in the States as well. Um, It did have a kind of bad name as um, an investment vehicle where you were going to accept lower returns Mm -hmm. in uh, exchange for doing something good for society. And that's starting to change. You're seeing the social impact funds where they're leading with, uh, we're going to give you comparable returns um, and not instead of, but and uh, benefit benefit society. I think
1: that's that's very true. I think that still a lot of people believe uh, impact investing and social businesses are either well, think people that are that are new to this, the first thing they think is this is philanthropy, which is not. But then people think that it's like a a, a new form of philanthropy, which you know you have to sacrifice this, but. Actually, it's, I don't think that's true because one of the things that is, is a lot is um, very important to most social businesses is that they serve underserved communities, right? Underserved populations. And the thing is, those markets are huge. For example, in Mexico there are still, more than six million people that don't have access to electricity because they just live you know, far away from the cities and the government's not interested in, in, well, they don't have the resources and the infrastructure to get to that. So if you build a startup, and there's a couple of these in, in Mexico, that can deliver electricity to these families through solar panels or there's a couple of other technologies out there that can do this, you have a potential market of six million customers that nobody else is reaching. And, um, so do you have your, it's like, it's a lot of blue oceans out there for these startups. And yeah, you probably won't, you know, grow to have billions and billions and billions of people, but you do have on top markets that you could actually grow into because you start with electricity, but then nobody's giving them internet. And so you can be the internet provider and so you can start growing and, there is these examples everywhere. Just in Mexico, for example, which is, if you look at Latin America and other undeveloped uh, places like Africa or Asia, Mexico is one of the, the, the better countries, right? The one with, the more, with a more advanced economy. And even in Mexico, 55% of people live in poverty, don't have proper housing, don't have proper water, uh, access to, to energy services, education, health. So imagine being the one startup that can bring health services, accessible health services, to uh, low-income communities. Your market is incredible, and the opportunity there is, is awesome. So, I think that a lot more investors are looking into this. Um, maybe you do need patient capital in the beginning. Maybe you do need certain, certain um, interest in impact, but not because you're gonna sacrifice return, like you said, but because you're going to struggle to build it. If it was very easy, everybody would do it, but once you get it right, well, the possibilities are
0: incredible. Great. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. There are market opportunities. Yeah. yeah Clearly. Definitely. So uh, talk about your educational efforts. What are you doing? Uh, and you, you mentioned university students. Is, is that the youngest that you go, or do you go into high school ages as well? Okay. Uh, so... Two awesome questions.
1: We used to be only focused on university level. That changed a lot in the last six months. Uh, The cool thing about our education programs and our education business is that it was actually built because there was a lot of demand for it. We didn't start off as as an education company, but since we built a strong brand with our media and the, the accelerator as well. Um there, there started to be a, an interesting demand from, from universities in the beginning to develop programs for them because they want to teach their students social business, social entrepreneurship, and they have no idea how to do it. Like they don't have teachers that know about it, they don't have programs. Uh, in Mexico, for example, only top-tier universities have entrepreneurship programs. Everybody else doesn't have anything. So they started asking us in the beginning it was it was talks and conferences then evolved into workshops, and then when we saw the potential there, we developed a full stack of, of offers that go from, like I said in the beginning, you know, like one-day workshops or like six-month programs. Last year, it was when we started, when we um, objectively said, let's start up, uh, an education business, and we started only with universities. We've reached over 120 universities now, but uh, in the last quarter of, the la- of last year, we got in touch with a couple of uh, high schools that were interested in our programs and a, and a nonprofit organization that works in low-income uh, elementary schools in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So we ended up developing a program for them and we've worked now with uh, more than, uh, I think it was 30 elementary schools in, in low-income communities, but also we have now programs with more than 10 high schools. So I, I would have never guessed that it w- there was a need for programs for entrepreneurship programs with you know like seven and eight year seven and eight year years old, but there's been a need for that, and obviously you have to adapt everything. You have to adapt the language. We don't even talk about business, really. We talk about you know what problems we see in the world and how would you change them, and it's about giving kids and and um, especially with the youngest. Is giving kids the knowledge that a there are all these problems that that's not hard. Most of the kids already know. At least they probably don't understand the dimension of poverty, but they they know that there are things out there in their communities that are uh, in their country that they want to change, right? But it's also giving them this this knowledge that there that they have the possibility to do something about it. And if you learn that at a very young age, wow, that you like your whole education changes, uh, because you're not just Now, getting educated for a job, you're educating yourself because in the future you might be able to do some stuff. So we're just exploring these younger markets. We think there's an opportunity there. Uh, But, yeah, our core business is university students. And um, there are some people that after university still want to learn, people that want to launch a business but don't know how. So we do a lot – well, not a lot, but we do some stuff for that market as well. So we're very broad – Right now, uh, thankfully, our our programs have been well-received. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can keep growing and reach as many people as we can.
0: And are these uh, essentially entrepreneurship-focused programs, or is there a computer science uh, component to them?
1: Okay, no, we are focused on social entrepreneurship. We do stuff like how to be, build a business model, a business impact model, uh, how to lose the fear to, to start and to fail. That's one of the main things that's stopping people right now in Mexico. Uh, but whenever we get the need to, for example, complement with uh, STEAM, STEAM or STEM?
0: Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, b- both, yes, both, actually. It, when, when people talk about STEAM, it includes the arts. So it's science, technology... Oh, no, 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 no engineering, the arts, and mathematics. Okay. And if it's STEM, it takes out they're, the they, arts. They're, they're, they're leaving out the arts.
1: Okay. So whenever we, we get uh, people interested in that, we partner up with other organizations. We're very focused. We know what we're good at. We don't want to just be doing random stuff. So there are really good organizations in Mexico and companies that are doing this. For example, I love working with this organization called Epic Queen, which is a company, it's a social business in Mexico that focuses on, on, on doing, I think they're more focused on STEM, not, not so much the arts, but um, bringing STEM to, to girls, for example, in Mexico.
0: So that's epic queen? Epic queen, Like yeah. uh, queen, reina?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they want to empower these girls to be, like they want to change the concept of the princess uh-huh. uh, and say, okay, let's be princesses and let's be queens, but let's be epic ones who change the world through technology. That's really subversive. It
0: so is. now, now, now we're talking. And I'm not being, I'm not being, uh, I'm not saying that facetiously uh, or sarcastically. I, if if you em- empower young girls, you're not only changing their career outlooks, but it's it's a fundamentally fen- feminist uh, initiative.
1: No, definitely. And I I don't want to talk a lot about their job because I don't know it right. like profoundly. But from what I've seen, I've I've, I've I'm not an investor, but I've fund. I've participated in a couple of crowdfunding campaigns they have and stuff like that, um, and they are like they are really, really changing the life of these girls because you have to understand that if it happens in the U.S. if there's a, if there is a cultural problem in the U.S. it's probably ten times bigger in countries like Mexico, right? So I don't know how much. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> I don't know how much there is actually uh, this kind of education for for girls in the U.S., but in Mexico, like there's none. Like for most women, uh, especially lower income, middle and lower income, they still live in a world with where it's not a given that they will have a university education. No, it's not. It's not. It's not that they um, like there is a good opportunity that they will not have access to a formal job uh, or they will have you know a career opportunity yeah. so so these girls when they go through the, to these boot camps and programs and the ones that every queen develops but also when we for example when we go to elementary school and we tell girls they can be entrepreneurs it, it's really changing their vision of the world and what they can be there's a lot of a lot of women in mexico that still are are raised to, to aspire to be you know wise and there's not that there's something wrong with that, but they don't have as many options. Um, so yeah, the, the work that they do and that I think that we are doing in, in, in working with younger audiences, I think it's very important and it will it will shape a lot of a lot of people. I have this closing this this part with this fact that I just learned about it last month and I think it's amazing. So there was a study done in, in Latin America that, Every, two out of every three uh, students that have an experience on social impact when they are in, in school change their careers, like choose a different career. After being part of, you know, a, 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 if, you go, if you do volunteer work or if you or if you go to a hackathon or if you participate in some way, two out of three change what they want to do with their professional careers. So that's amazing. Like that's that's right. a huge percentage of people that can... What we want them to aspire to be is to become agents of change wherever it is they want to work. If they are want to be doctors or if they want to be engineers or, or if they want to be artists or, or entrepreneurs, we want them to understand that they can solve their countries and their communities and their world's issues with their job. And once you feel, uh, we were talking about this yesterday because we met yesterday at an event here in New York. I think that when young people understand that they have the power to do that, it's like somebody turned the light on and there's no going back. Like you cannot unlearn uh, that you can
0: become an agent
1: of change and that is amazing.
0: Yeah. And as you say, it's empowering. Yeah. Really. No, it really, really is. Okay. So back to your company specifically. Yeah. Um, what will you be doing here in New York? Uh, what are your what are your your goals? What are you trying to accomplish in these uh, ten weeks? Was
1: it? Yeah, it, it's ten weeks. Already two of them have gone by flying, so we have. I have to start ten, saying it's two we- eight weeks. Um, so we're basically. I think there is a couple of things that we are doing. First of all, is simply learning and exploring the new market, because it is a very different country. That Mexico, things are different. A lot of them are better. Like There's more funding. There's more uh, opportunities for startups. But there are also a lot of challenges. No, um, We are not locals. We, we don't understand the younger audience as, as well as we do. So, so we are, first of all, learning and understanding. And second, to be honest, since we have very limited time, we have to go straight into, you know... Uh, development mode, look for clients, partners, investors. Um, we think there are two ways for us to, to start our operations here in New York. Well, in, in the U.S. The first one is um, aiming to, towards the Latino population. There's millions and millions of people living in the U.S. who are Latinos or have Latino heritage, uh, which we could reach with the content that we already have, which we could reach with the education programs we already have. Um, we don't have to translate all that much and, and, and I mean we have to do some stuff to especially focus on them, but most of the work is done. And then there's the second opportunity, which is maybe a little bit more complicated. Uh, but obviously it's what we are aiming in the medium term, which is start working for the American market. You know, start translating our content, start reaching with our education programs to the American, uh, to the American youth. For this, to be honest, right now, I I think we are the first steps. We are looking for a potential partners that could open doors for us. So, if anybody that's that's listening to this is interested in what we're doing, and you know, people in the media industry, um, in the education sector, in the impact investing, or in the Latino communities, that would be awesome. To you don't know how how important that is for an entrepreneur to have people reach out and, and help you get connected. Maybe you don't, you're don't. you not an investor, you're not a client, but you know somebody that, that can be or that can be interested. That is huge, so that's our first thing. We're building these relationships. That's how we built the business in Mexico. That's how we built um, everything, building strong relationships, trying to add value to the people that, that works and collaborates with us. And the second one is to hopefully start looking for actual opportunities. No, to start working for maybe a university, to start working with a high school, um, to, to start publishing some content here, doing some interviews. We actually want to start validating our market and then see if there is a need for what we what we do. So far in these two weeks, I would say it looks like there is. It looks like there's nobody really doing exactly what we're doing there. Uh, so, so, yeah, we're trying to... I'm not, I don't think that in the first 10 weeks we'll have a big client eh, or, or, or something like that, but definitely a clear path how to get there. The third thing is, and we're not... Um, the th- third thing that would normally be the first for many is investing, is investment. We're not that aggressive right now in investment. We first want to see if there is really a market, I would rather very much have clients and investors in the beginning. Um, in Mexico we've only raised I mean we put a little money of the founders from our friends and family and we only raised a uh, 100k from a crowd equity crowdfunding campaign last year. So we ha- we're not really uh, investing intensive. here the opportunities are different, but I think even even if we wanted to raise investment eventually impact investment, Getting to that with some actual clients and some actual market would be very different. So there's much more relationships and, and potential opportunities to develop our business here. Excellent. That was not a that was not a short answer. I'm sorry about that. I'm terrible with with short answers, but <laughs> I hope that I answered your
0: question. That's okay. In the editing process, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, cut, I'll, I'll the... cut it down to one minute. Yeah. <laughs> and no my... talking is part of my business. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, how can these people who would like to connect with you? Uh, get in touch with you.
1: Of course. So, um, And you probably can put this in your podcast notes. My email is juan at disruptivo.tv. It's just like disruptive, but with a no in the beginning. disruptivo, disruptivo.tv. Or, you know, simply look for me at LinkedIn. I'm at Juan del Cerro. It's probably one of the, the... the first one, there's a few, but I'm probably one of the first ones that, that's going to be there. Happy to connect, even even through Marcos, like if, if, if they uh, write to you in your Facebook and, and everything, be happy to 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 get connected. I'm very open. I'm meeting everyone I can, and I am happy to talk to, not only if you can bring value to us, but especially if we can bring value to you through our media, through our education programs, through our... Uh, um early stage accelerator, or through you know whatever else. If you want to learn more about social entrepreneurship or about Latin America or about uh, impact investing, we'll be very very happy to talk and to see how can we bring value to you. Great, awesome!
0: Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much, Marcos. Uh, I love that we are podcast being interviewed by another podcast. It's very mad. It's very cool. But no, it, it's been a really you know what? Just as a personal note. Um, it's been really, really cool to come to New York and see that there is so much interest in from people like you and from this vast network that we've met in the last couple of weeks that just want to help entrepreneurs. That's amazing. That's amazing. It, it, I don't know if the guys that are listening have been on my side of the spectrum that they're starting a business, especially in a new country, but to have that, to know that you're not alone... Like, I'm alone here. I'm the only one on my team and whatever, but I'm not really alone. I never, I've, I haven't felt alone in this whole time because I know that every day I'm meeting with somebody that is willing to help an entrepreneur. And that is incredible. It's priceless, honestly.
0: Yeah, I, I think New York is kind of special that way. Um, it, I think there's, there's a good supportive community here.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny because New York uh, has this reputation for being a very tough city, but, well, the people in the startup sector so far, they're very open and very helpful. So, yeah, it's you're not as tough as you see in New York because you're soft inside. We know it. <laughs>
0: kind, kind of like a bagel. Yeah. Hard, hard, hard on the outside, the soft on the inside. The
1: perfect metaphor. The, no, people here are awesome. And, uh, yeah, love to connect.
0: Great. Thanks again. Bye.